Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long May Rain podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast. So, school is over. I'm not stressed anymore. It's great. I'm back in my studio. You guys can't see the hand motions I'm making. By studio, I mean my bedroom (laughs) at my parents' house. (laughs) And I honestly miss it because I like the setup better here than I had in my dorm. It's just like a lot more convenient. Also, I find it quieter. I mean, slightly less quiet. My brother's kind of loud and annoying. But that's a whole separate issue but i'm really glad to be home because i'm very tired and i don't want to do schoolwork anymore but of course i do have to get a summer job very soon so the uh (laughs) relaxation probably isn't gonna last long but other than that i'm doing great um i started watching the walking dead recently which i know gosh aiden you're so late to the train on this it's like what that show's been out since like what like 2010 and i think it's like just ending or something like that, which is crazy that I'm going to have to watch that much TV, though. I, I don't see myself getting past, like, season five. But, like, we'll see. I tend to get, like, fatigued watching super long shows, even if I super, super enjoy them. So, we'll see uh, how that goes. Amazingly, I've never been spoiled for The Walking Dead, which is why I decided to start watching it. So, don't any of you guys start spoiling for spoiling it for me. That'd be very rude of you, first of all. But so far, I'm enjoying it. Though, I feel like it's, like... I. I feel like I have to have the same mentality I had when I watched Game of Thrones. Like, don't get attached to any of the characters. Because <laughs> at some point, they will die. <laughs> so that's what I've uh, been learning <laughs> throughout the show. Because I'm, like, looking at all these people. I'm like, oh, all these people can, like, die, like, any second. So, yeah. But so far, I'm enjoying it. It's actually a really good show, which I'm sure all you guys uh, knew already. <laughs> So I was like, what? It came out in 2010. So I was like eight or nine when it came out. So like I had no concept that that was going on. Anyway. All right. Let's get into what we, who we are talking about today. Oh, guys, I'm so excited. On a very first on this podcast, we are discussing Tamar, King of Georgia. That's right, bitches. Not queen. She was a king. This is this is the first time we've ever discussed a female king, which I'm very excited about because like the concept of like royal titles and like like queens being under kings, it's it's like really interesting. And honestly, there was a bit of a toss up for me when I decided I wanted to do this episode. It was either going to be Tamar, which obviously it is now, or uh, Jadwiga, king of Poland. So, well, I mean, we'll get to Yadwiga one of these days, but I'm really excited to do Tamar because, one, I've never talked about a female king before, and two, I don't, I didn't know that much about the country of Georgia before I did this episode. In fact, I didn't even know it was a country <laughs> before I did this episode, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, let's get into it. Okay, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, let's get into it. So, Tamar of Georgia was born at some point in the year 1160 to King George III of Georgia and his wife, Booker. Oh no, I'm going to butcher this. I'm so sorry to any Georgians who might be listening. Burkdukhan of Alania. 
Now, we don't know anything about Tamar's birthday. In fact, her being born in 1160 is like kind of a rough guess of when she might have been born. She might have been born even before that, but who knows. Anyway, uh, since we can't talk about her birthday, I was actually really curious about her name because I'd never heard of the name Tamar before. But as I've learned, it's actually quite a popular name in the Middle East and actually has some uh, interesting biblical origins. Uh, Tamar is a Hebrew name that translates to date tree and is actually also one of the names of the daughters of the legendary King David of Israel, which uh, tracks with Tamar's family because they they actually believe that they were descended from King David of Israel. So it, it makes sense that the name Tamar would be a very popular name in the Georgian royal family. Also, as I've read, Tamar is still a very popular name in Israel and in Georgia, so that's great. Um, also, I, I heard it's related to the name Tamara, which is a name I have heard of. So, you know, that's cool. I like the name Tamara and Tamar. It's very cool. Now, before we talk about Tamar's early life, I think we need to have a bit of a geography lesson because many people don't know about the country of Georgia. And I want to make it clear we are talking about the country of Georgia, not the American state of Georgia, home of uh, the Coca-Cola Museum. Now, a lot of people like me are usually not aware that Georgia as a country exists because of the confusion with the American state. And in general, just not being well known by, you know, your average Joe. Um, now, Georgia is uh, located in the Middle East. It is bordered by Russia in the north and by Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Turkey in the south, as well as having access to the Black Sea on its west coast. Now, Georgia is an incredibly diverse country with many ethnic groups, not to mention some beautiful, God, beautiful traditional clothing that has just like influences from all the cultures they are surrounded by, and they have their own language too which I kind of want to learn how to speak because it's kind of like a really interesting language. Also, it's like they don't really have like genders in the Georgian language, which is great as someone who just finished learning French, which is like all gendered. That'd be great for me to learn, I'm sure. Now, Georgia is a really cool country with over a thousand years of history, and Tamar is a ruler that they are very proud of because she presided over their golden age. She's essentially their uh, Queen Elizabeth I, and she is an excellent representation of the country. So, now that we got our very, very brief geography lesson out of the way, let's start talking a bit about Tamar's parents, George and Burke Dukan. Now, we don't know much about Tamar's mom because of course we don't, <laughs> but here's what I can tell you about her. Now, Burke Dukan was a princess from the kingdom of Alania, which was a kingdom that bordered Georgia in medieval times that no longer exists. Now, sometime in the 1150s, she came to Georgia to marry Tamar's father, the Crown Prince George, as a part of an alliance between her father, Kultan, and uh, George's dad, whose name I don't remember. It was probably George. <gasps> and that's pretty much all we know about her for the most part. Um, as for Tamar's dad, he was... Oh, no, wait, I did write this down. He was the son of uh, King Demetrius of Georgia and came to the throne in about 1156. Now, he was a much more aggressive ruler than his dad, Demetrius. Uh, George, he was he was a fighter, you know? Um, <laughs> he started wars with the Armenians, which I don't know if that was a good idea. Um, and he took really a much more aggressive like foreign policy than his father's more like defensive keep-them-out policy. Uh, not to mention he had to deal with his nephew uh, trying to take the throne, which, while well, he had the right to because George uh, actually at one point had an older brother named 
at David, who overthrew their father for less than a year and then died, uh, but before he died, had a son who, like, basically, like, pops up out of the ground after George comes to the throne and is like, hey, asshole, uncle, that's mine. And George was like, ha ha ha. No, there's no way I'm letting this kid win a war. So he defeated, he defeated actually a very valid uprising by his nephew and some of his nobles. And then, um, oh God, he blinded and castrated the poor kid, which uh, reminds me a lot of, <laughs> um, Sophia, my Sophia episode, <laughs> because like her ancestor also blinded and castrated, uh, one of the emperors of the Byzantine Empire, which is interesting. Like, it's such, it's, it seems to be really trendy in, like, crusader times to blind and castrate. Like, I get the point, like, so that they're disabled and also they can't have children. Um, but it just, it's, it seems like a little much. Anyway, finally, after blinding and castrating his nephew, uh, George had a decent control over the kingdom. Uh, that he probably shouldn't have had since he was his second son in the first place. So this is the kind of, you know, role model Tamar is growing up with, which will definitely uh, shape her very interesting personality. Now, we don't know much about Tamar's education, but considering the whole revolt with her cousin and the nobles happened probably when she was a little kid, and Tamar and her sister uh, Rusadan were uh, her father's only heirs, I imagine when George realized that Tamar was going to be the next ruler because he had no sons, he probably made sure she was well-prepared to be the first female monarch of Georgia. Uh, she was probably taught how to read, write, uh, math, uh, history of her country, and everything else she would have need needed to know to properly rule as well as, you know, probably regular medieval girl stuff, you know, dancing, music, embroidery, which are all very essential skills of a fine, refined lady. Um, as for what Tamar looked like, uh, we're actually lucky to have tons of, like, beautifully commissioned art of her when she was alive. So we know she had, like, pretty light skin, dark hair, uh, dark eyes, and I, I don't know if it's, like, the art style or this is, like, true to what she looked like, but girl had some eyebrows. <laughs> But it's okay, because she looks good in all her portraits. She has a bit of a unibrow in a couple of her portraits. Like, I, I don't know if that was, like, an artistic choice, or she actually, like, looked like that. But, like, like who would actually ask for a unibrow <laughs> in a portrait? So, like, I imagine it must be true to life. Anyway. Also, I was curious about how Georgians identify, since they are in the Middle East, but they are in, like, the Caucasus Mountains region of the world, which, you know, would, would think would make the Georgians white, because as a white person myself, you know, we're usually referred to as Caucasian. But uh, actually, uh, people from this area of the world uh, tend to have, like, really Middle Eastern features that, like, don't make them look very white like um think kim kardashian before her surgeries because uh, kim kardashian half armenian armenia is a country right next to georgia and kim kardashian looked really armenian before all her surgeries but you know obviously now not so much um so when i think of what tamar might have looked like i kind of think of kim kardashian's features when she was a kid which you know i know her family is from like a different country but you know armenia and georgia have so many similarities in geography and culture so personally i'd consider tamar and the georgians people of color but you know i'm not really an authority on that i'm not an expert in race or anything this is just my general observation from their culture and their geography that they'd probably be considered people of color even if 
there, particularly light-skinned people. Also, I'm imagining tomorrow to look like young Kim Kardashian right now. <laughs> anyway, now when tomorrow is about 18, a few large changes happen in her life. It's believed around this time her mother ended up dying. Now we don't know what or how she died. We don't even have a specific date of when she died, but we know she was probably dead before Tamara came to the throne. Uh, we don't really know how she felt about losing her mother, but you know, losing your mom is tough in really any sense, even if she didn't see her very much. So it, it really must have sucked. Also around this time, Tamara's younger sister, Arusadan, uh, gets married off to a Byzantine prince in order to make an alliance. Now, we don't know much about Tamar and her sister's relationship, but several decades down the road after Arusadan gets married into the Byzantine royal family during the Fourth Crusade, when the Crusaders attacked the Byzantine Empire, Tamar ends up giving refuge to her sister and her nephew, nephews, and also supplies them with troops to help take the empire back, which eh, didn't really work. So I, I figure they must have had somewhat of a decent relationship for her to do that for her sister and her nephews. That's just my observation. Now, the last thing uh, to happen was that Tamara's father decided it was finally time to give Tamara a little bit of a test run uh, in ruling, so he named her a co-ruler with him and had her crowned so it would be very clear to everyone in the country that she was going to succeed him. Not to mention it, it, it would essentially be like um, um, kinging 101, like an internship, I'm sure. Um, Tamar accompanied her father to council meetings, uh, helped him make decisions about economy, laws, military, and pretty much everything else to do with running a kingdom. Now, Tamar co-ruled with her father for six years until her father died in 1184, and at the age of 26, she became Georgia's first female ruler and one of the region's most powerful women, which, you know, go queen, actually, go king, um, but it wasn't going to be an easy road. Luckily, Georgia was in a good place for the most part at the time. She had inherited a lot of stability, except that her father had uh, severely alienated his nobles during his reign because, you know, they rose up against him and because of that most of her nobles weren't entirely in her corner and it wasn't just about her being a woman the nobles also had hated the aggressive policies of her father and they didn't want her to continue that same punch first ask questions later policy that uh her dad had done but of course it was a little bit about her being a woman they did perceive her as being weak because she was a woman, so, you know, it was a little bit about that, but not entirely about that. They did have some valid reasons as to why they didn't like her. Now, when she came to the throne independently, she was uh, recrowned by herself. She put the crown on her own head. Yes! Go King! In the Gel... Oh, no. Gel Ati Monastery, and her aunt, also named Rostan, uh, who we're going to call Auntie Roos because she has the same name as Tamara's sister, and I don't want to confuse you. Anyway, Auntie Roos, uh, she was brought to uh, Georgia, and Tamara appointed her as a regent, even though she was 26 and, like, totally adult, and an advisor, so she would have, you know, someone in her corner because the nobility were being so pushy. It was ridiculous. Ugh. Now, these assholes made her fire almost all of her dad's old government and replaced them with their choices. And she caved because she wanted to get along with them initially, but Auntie Roos pretty much did her best to defend Tamar when it came down to it. Also, uh, the leader of the Orthodox Church, of which Tamar was about follower of, was very supportive of Tamar's ruling of Georgia. So yay, good for our favorite king. 
Yes. Okay, so not too long into Tamar's rule, her nobles started pressuring her to marry so that she could provide an heir to the throne as well as make her new husband, whoever he was, the head of the Georgian army. Now, many of the people in Tamar's nobility put themselves up or their sons uh, as candidates to be Tamar's husband. They were basically like, hey, baby, <laughs> I want you to be my wife. <laughs> but Tamar's Auntie Roos had her own choice in mind, which ended up winning out because Auntie Roos was a badass, apparently. We don't have a lot of information on her, but she she seemed pretty cool. Now, her choice was Prince Yuri of the Kievan Rus, which basically means he was a Russian prince. Now, I'm sure you guys remember the Kievan Rus from my uh, Sofia Powell log episode, because she married into Russia before it was Russia. Now, this is the same family, just about 400 years before Sofia got there. Anyway, the point is that Prince Yuri looked pretty decent on paper to be Tamar's husband. He had very noble ancestry, uh in order to marry a king or queen. Uh, Not to mention, thanks to the fact that he was distantly related to the Russian royal family, uh, he had no assets or land to, like, really complicate anything. And also, apparently, he was a top-notch soldier who knew his way around the battlefield. Also, from what I heard, he was hot. So, bonus points. Sounds great, right? Mm. Now, after lengthy negotiations, both Auntie Bruce and Tamar approved the marriage, and Yuri made his way from the Northern Caucasus region to Georgia in order to marry Tamar in 1185. Now, the bride was 25, and guess what? The groom was also 25, so yay, no creepy older guy for Tamar. Yes! But don't get too excited because it's about to get bad. Now, almost, like, immediately after Tamar and Yuri got married, Tamar probably realized oh, I fucked up. (laughs) Because Yuri ended up being a bona fide piece of fucking shit. Like, oh my god. Yuri, he was a good soldier. That was pretty much his only virtue. But he was literally, like, such a bad person in any other way possible. He drank too much, and he embarrassed Tamar on the daily about them not having kids, like, right away. Not to mention, he was greedy and ambitious and wanted power because he had no power of his own. And after about two years of marriage, uh, Tamar had become much more confident in her abilities and power as king. And she was fucking sick of Yuri's behavior, so she took him to court in order to accuse him of various things like abuse. And guess what, guys? She fucking divorced his ass. Now, I bet you're wondering, hey, Aiden, why is it such a big deal that Tamar was able to successfully divorce her husband? After all, you know, divorces happen all the time, right? No. Remember, Tamar is living in the 12th fucking century in a ridiculously Christian nation, and the fact that she was able to get a successful divorce from Yuri without having to pull a Henry VIII is incredibly impressive on her part. I mean, pigs may have well have started flying in Georgia that day when she did that because it was pretty much unbelievable that this woman was able to get a divorce, a legal divorce, in the 12th fucking century. I mean, yes, go tomorrow. Now, after Tamar's divorce, she decided to exile Yuri to Constantinople, which is modern-day Istanbul. Istanbul is Constantinople. 
That's how I remember that. Anyway, uh, to say Yuri didn't take the divorce well would be um, an understatement because he was pissed. Uh, he actually, to be honest, he gives me like Mary Queen of Scots second husband vibes. Like if you remember Lord Darnley from a Mary Queen of Scots episode. Like I'm sure these two are like the same person like in general because I'm seeing huge douchebag parallels. Um, anyway, Yuri decided that he would try and replace Tamar on the Georgian throne even though he had like no claim whatsoever. So he gathered up the Georgian nobles who liked him and decided to go to war with his ex-wife, but she crushed his douchebag ass at the battles of Tremogiv and Urish-Heti. Uh, when Tamar's forces captured Yuri, she pardoned him and sent him on his way, but keep him in mind because he makes another brief appearance later in the story. To be honest, she really shouldn't have let him go in the first place. Now, I'm going to take a moment to uh, refresh my drink. Uh, you know, my Coca-Cola. Uh, but while I'm gone, I want you guys to listen to a brief, uh, commercial from, uh, my lovely friend Roberto at the History of Georgia podcast. Uh, I hope you guys like it. See you in a second. Gamarjoba. My name is Roberto, and I would like to sincerely thank you for taking the time to check out my podcast, The History of Sacartvelo, Georgia. In all likelihood, I would venture to guess that you found us because you were searching for either podcasts, YouTube videos, blogs about the history of Georgia, or you're hearing this on another podcast, like this one. I'm both sorry and happy to report that this beautiful and fascinating country is, to my great surprise, criminally underrated in the history world. As of now, this is the only podcast I am aware of dedicated to the full history of a nation and a people that have served as the battleground for empires all throughout European and Asian history. But the land of the Cartveli is so much more than that. The birthplace of wine, the second Christian kingdom, the land of fantastic food, nearly superhuman dancers and musicians, and perhaps most importantly, a people that have preserved their culture, pride, and independence after centuries of one conquest after another. Empires rise and fall, but Sacardvelo always seems to survive in the end. So, let us celebrate this beautiful land by coming with me on this journey from prehistory to the present day, right here at the History of Sacardvelo, Georgia. You can find us on our website, historyofsacardvelo.com, or on Twitter at history underscore Georgia. Sacarvelo is spelled S-A-Q-A-R-T-V-E-L-O. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Hey guys, I'm back. Did you did you guys enjoy the commercial and my fancy transitions? I've been I've been working on that. It's probably not very good, but it's it's fine. All right, let's get back into the story. So, now that Tamar had dealt with her uh, ex-husband, she now needed a new husband. And unlike the first go around, Tamar decided to take the task of husband hunting into her own hands. Now, after a bit of searching, Tamar eventually settled on Prince Soslan of Elan, 
but he ends up changing his name to David later, so we'll just call him David for simplicity's sake. Now, David was from was a prince from the same kingdom Tamar's mother was from. But don't worry, they aren't first cousins. They were like fifth cousins. I I checked. So genetically them getting married doesn't like really matter. They're like kids will be fine. But it's it's still important to note that they are in fact related by blood on both sides of Tamar's family, by the way. Anyway, David was a fucking stand-up choice for Tamar's second husband. And not only did this one look good on paper, but he also had a winning personality, unlike Yuri. David was a capable military leader. He was apparently hot as fuck, charismatic, and not to mention he was a very, very supportive husband to Tamar, which I'm sure she probably appreciated after that shit Yuri had gone through to try and steal her power like the insecure motherfucker he was. Now, we don't know a lot about their personal relationship, but the fact that Tamar handpicked him and he was super supportive makes me think that they must have been probably pretty happy. And honestly, they were a power couple when they got married in 1189 so you know go them all right kids it's finally baby 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 time because in 1191 tamar gave birth to her and david's son who of course they named george because after all what else were they going to name him and in 1195 she had her daughter rusadon and i found it interesting how like spread out the birth dates of her two children were because you know it, it took them two years to start having kids um but i suppose david was you know busy being a badass motherfucker and protecting his wife's kingdom for the first two years so i guess it makes sense that they wouldn't have had a lot of time to you know bone anyway <laughs> uh before we move on and talk about you know tomorrow's golden age of awesomeness <sighs> our old friend yuri comes back into the port picture i'm just gonna sneak in for just a second to cause some trouble now yuri was fucking livid that tamar had a new husband so he gathered support and tried to dethrone tamar and david this time but david was like um excuse me motherfucker that's my wife and along with some of tamar's other fantastic generals she crushed his revolt in under a month which is very impressive now it's at this point that yuri actually he disappears from historical records after his second revolt and while we have no record of yuri being executed i like to think that damar tamar i just said damar <laughs> what the fuck is that name tamar and david probably had him like quietly murdered so like no one would get mad at them if he was like publicly executed but they probably just wanted to get rid of him so i'm guessing he was murdered but like you know good for david and tamar you know actually what would david and tamar's ship name be D damar actually damar <laughs> damar or uh to david i like damar i'm gonna call them damar now <laughs> One thing that Tamar is remembered for in Georgia today is her military prowess and her devotion to enriching the culture of her country. She's basically Georgia's version of Queen Elizabeth I, except possibly even cooler than Elizabeth I. Once Tamar was relatively stable on her throne with an awesome new husband and her little baby bouncing baby boy in her arms, she decided to follow in her dad's expansionist footsteps and expanded Georgia's borders as much as possible. Now, one of Georgia's, Georgia's biggest threats was their Muslim neighbors that mostly sat to the southwest. Now, you have to remember, at this time, the Crusades were in full swing, so tensions between Christian nations and Muslim nations were at an all-time high. And Tamar was not just going to let them bully her just because she was a woman. 
Now, it was in the mid-1190s when both uh, Georgia and the Sultanate of Rum went to war over Georgia's encroaching on their territory. Uh, the Sultan Suleiman II sent his declaration of war, and it started like this. Every woman is of feeble mind, and ended with the statement that he demanded she become his Muslim wife or his Christian concubine. So Tamar basically went, you know, release the kraken on Suleiman's ass. And by release the kraken, I mean she sent her army and her husband and crushed Suleiman like a motherfucking pancake. Yes! Now, in 1206, under the command of David, the Georgian army captured uh, cars and other fortresses and strongholds along the Araxes. This campaign was evidently started because the ruler of Ezerum refused to submit to Georgia. Uh, the emir of Kars requested aid from, um, oh god, I'm going to butcher this, the Alahashas. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the latter was unable to respond. Um, it soon it was soon taken over by the Ab Abayid Sultanate in 1207. But by 1209, Georgia challenged Abayid rule in eastern Anatolia and led a liberation war for South Armenia. Now the Georgian army besieged Ahalat in response to the Ayyubid Sultanate Al Aidid. Uh, who assembled and personally led a large Muslim army that uh, included the emirs of Homs, Hama, and Balabek, as well as contingents from other Abayid principalities to support uh, Al-Ahad, who was the emir of uh, Jazeera. Now, during the siege, uh, the Georgian general uh, Ivan accidentally uh, fell into the hands of Al-Ahad on the outskirts of Ahlat. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm so butchering these names. I really do try to pronounce these properly, but uh, my voice just does not do that. Now, using Evan as a bargaining chip, Al-Ahad uh, agreed to release him in return for a 30-year truce with Georgia, with, uh, thus ending the immediate Georgian threat to the uh, Aboyids. Now, this brought the struggle for Armenian lands to a standstill, leaving the Lake Van region to the Ibeids of Damascus. Now, in 1209, uh, the brothers uh, Magzili led waste to the Adrabil, according to uh, the Georgian and Armenian annals, as revenge for the local Muslim ruler's attack on Annie and his massacre of the city's Christian population population. Now, in a great final burst, these two brothers led an army marshaled together through Tamar's possessions and vassal territories in a march through uh, northwestern Iran, pigling, pillaging I'm sorry, several settlements on their way. Now, Georgians reached countries where nobody had ever heard of their name or their existence, and these victories brought Georgia to the summit like the highest point of its power and glory, establishing a pan-Caucasian empire that extended from the Black Sea to the Caspian and from the Caucasus Mountains to Lake Van, which is huge if you look at that on a map. Now, basically, Tamar was a bona fide war king who took no shit from anyone and expanded Georgia's territory more than most of her predecessors, which was a massive accomplishment for the time, especially as a woman. Now, as for Tamar's contributions to art and the culture of her country, her story gets better. Tamar was a huge patron of the arts and helped Georgia establish its own style since uh, most Georgian arts were either 
um, influenced by the Christian West or the Muslim East. Now, still, Tamar combined these art styles by taking Byzantine motifs and Middle Eastern art and put it together and created a unique art style in her country, not to mention all the churches she had built. Uh, Tamar was very, also very interested in education and literacy went up while she was king of Georgia. So that is an absolute win in my mind. Now, unfortunately in 1207, Tamar lost her very wonderful husband, David. So Tamar had her son, George, installed as co-ruler like her father had done with her in order to get George properly ready for the throne. A few years later, in 1213, Tamar suddenly got very, very sick and collapsed while meeting with her ministers, so she was transported to the country's capital where she died very suddenly of an unknown cause, and her son George ascended the throne as George IV. It is unfortunately currently unknown where Tamar was buried after her death, which really sucks because I'd love to visit her grave. Oh my god. Now, before we get into legacy, we need to talk a bit about the shit show that goes down with Georgia and its dominance after Tamar dies. Now, I think there is no demi denying that Tamar's son, George, was was a good kid. He, he had a really level head, and I, and I don't think he was, but I don't think he was prepared for the invasion of the Mongols, not to mention the fact that he never ended up producing a legitimate heir. Despite his best efforts, he got his ass handed to him by the Mongols and died way too young at 31, and he was succeeded by his little sister, Rusadan, who was even less prepared for the Mongol invasion. Um, after all, she wasn't raised to rule Georgia, like, that wasn't her primary function, and now suddenly she was the queen of a, well, king of a nation, um, and had to deal with, uh, Genghis Khan invading her territory. Um, I think she really did try her best to preserve what her mother and brother fought for, but in the end, the Mongols won out and took over a decent amount of the country, and unfortunately, Rusadan died waiting for her son to return home to her, which... Oh, sucks. I really wish I could get more in more into Rusadan, but there's just not enough about her to do like a full episode. But she was actually really cool, and I really think she did try her best to fight for her country, but it just ended up, you know, not working because you know the Mongols. Okay, now getting into legacy. Tamar has a huge legacy to go over. Not only was she an incredibly powerful and badass king, she is also a huge cultural symbol in her country. There were, you know, cults made up around her image, and there have been poems and stories about her. Also, I have to mention the Orthodox Church has canonized her, um, and her feast day is on May 1st, which is tomorrow as I'm recording this episode, which is pretty cool. Also, even better, she's a playable character in the video game Civilization VI, if you ever want to play that, which, you know, I might make my dad play it so he can play this tomorrow. Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining me on this episode. It was really fun. I hope we all learned a lot. I will see you guys in two weeks with a very special episode. I'm very excited about this next one. All right, bye, guys. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMaceyRain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.